You can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're walk, walking through this, this group of passages together. We're looking at what makes up a dynamic church, what makes up a powerful church, however you want to say that. Uh, we're looking at these principles, and, and today we're going to look at this issue that, that the local church is supposed to be a place of encouragement. I mean, you know, really and truly that should go without saying, but we know the truth is, is there are many churches that it isn't a place of encouragement. And so the Bible teaches that a biblical church, a, a, a life-giving church, is a church that is a place of encouragement. In the 1045 service, uh, we're going we're gonna to commission a bunch more Stephen ministers. Uh, let me just tell you who they are because at three services, it's so hard to, to do this three different times. And so a Stephen minister, in case you don't know this, is someone that comes alongside of an individual through a season of our, their life, through a time of their life. They speak into their life uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. They come alongside of them. They meet with them. They've had over 50 hours of training to do this. And, uh, and also, they'll have ongoing monthly training as they do this. And so, at the 1045 service, we'll be commissioning Julie Vanderplug, uh, Donna Trainer, Kim Briggs, Jalene Vickers, Annie Rakia, uh, M- Melissa Martinez, and then Wayne and Donna Carey were trained at another church, and they just transferred over when they, when they moved to Pueblo, Colorado. And so, this is going to help us. This gives us about 19 Stephen ministers. And so this is going to help us deepen in, in building of community and, and ministering to people. See, the Bible teaches that, that, that the church is supposed to be a place of encouragement. Now, this last week, this sermon was really preached to me over and over by about, really about 300 third and fifth graders. Uh, Karen and I went to children's camp. Karen was a nurse because she's now a nurse, Miss R.N. So... Uh, <laughs> So uh, we went, she was a nurse, she worked a lot harder than I did because, you know, like when I go to camp, I'm like a grandparent, I'll just love on them and then send them back to their camp counselors. I mean, you know, fact is the first night I had dinner, well, actually I ate with the kids and I worshiped with the kids. And so uh, I just had this aha moment when I was with the third and fifth grade boys, our boys, and we sat there and heard the table talk and all that other stuff. And ladies, I know this is going to shock you as much as it shocked me, uh, we like never grow up. I, they're talking about the same stuff that we talk about when we do men's breakfast and everything. It revolves around about three different subjects. And so, but their story's a lot funnier than ours. And uh, I'm like, I'm looking at these boys and say, we don't grow up. And uh, I know. <laughs> and, and so, but, but, but I tell you what, I don't, I don't know what the, your, the, the kids are like in your home. Uh, but I can tell you this. They were fabulous at camp. There were 300 students, third and fifth graders, made up, split them into about 20 different teams. And can I just tell you, our children led the way. They set the tone for the camp. Everyone was talking about the Fellowship of the Rockies kids. They got there early to worship service. They, they roped off the first two rows uh, so that, man, I, I sat in the middle of them. We didn't sit, but we, you know, we, we danced. We did the lawnmower and the weed eater. That's kind of a fun thing to do. I always think that song, I am free, and I'm free to dance. You know, my Baptist roots always come up because you start theologically, can a Christian dance or not? And the answer is some can, some can't. <laughs> some, some should, some should not. That's the answer. And I worshiped with our kids. And uh, so our kids uh, took an overall 
competition took first and second place. They actually were a tie between the, first, the, the boys and the girls, and the, the boys won in tiebreaker. Let me tell you what that meant. That meant that they got a, got a spirit stick throughout the week, which means that they were encouraging and supporting and helpful and all this other stuff. They memorized more scripture than any of the other campers. They were more encouraging. They were more obedient. Their cabins, cabins were clean and all of that stuff. And so our boys and girls took first and second place. And then in team competition, they took first, second, and third. And so it was amazing to be around the kids and just watch how, how encouraging they were with one another. I mean, they, they would take that child that, you know, that... Uh, was kind of an introvert and didn't really fit in, and they would drag that person into community with them. And I was thinking, you know what, that's the picture of the church. And so these kids, just so you know, these kids really ministered to me this last week as we looked at that. And so today we're going to look at Paul's instructions to the church in Thessalonica, where, where Paul was instructing them and telling them basically what the keys to a dynamic church, the keys to a church that is much different than any other type of church, because it's a church of community. Now, it's an encouraging church. There's three different aspects of that uh, that Paul tells us. And you know, whether we, we're encouraging church or, or individually, personally, uh, these three things work in our personal lives and they work in our corporate life as well. And so Paul basically said there's three things to, that make up an encouraging person. It is a person that is compassionate, it is a person that is considerate, and it is a person that is consistent in their, their life and the way they do life or, or, or the way they do encouragement. So let's just walk through those and let's just look at those together out of God's Word. The first one is this. If you're going to be an encouraging person, if, you're, if a church is going to be an encouraging church, then the Scripture would teach us that we have to be uh, compassionate. In other words, we have to have compassion for others. Now listen. Don't forget who is writing this. Remember in Scripture, context, context, context is just so important. Who wrote the, who wrote the letter? Uh, what was their life like? Now listen, we know when we, we've looked at Paul's life, the Apostle Paul, man, he was hardcore, right? I mean, the Apostle Paul was his hardcore, type A, driven personality. I mean, he had conflict with Barnabas. He had conflict with John Mark. He had conflict with some church leaders. He had, he had conflict uh, with Pharisees. And, and I mean, he was hardcore. He was a type of guy that just told it like it was. But he still had compassion. See, you and I cannot say, well, listen, I, I understand that about being compassionate. I understand about compassion, but that's just not how I'm wired. That's not just who I am. Well, don't forget, Paul, type A, driven, was a compassionate person. Verse two, verse seven. I'm sorry, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become, and you had become very dear to us. An encouraging church is a church that builds community. An encouraging church is a church that understands that it's not just what happens on Saturday night or Sunday morning for that hour. That it's not just blowing into a church and blowing out of a church. 
but it's about staying long enough and building relationships, whether you build relationships through life groups, whether you build relationships through ministry areas, that you come in. That's why Stephen ministers are so important to what we do here is because it's that one-on-one help. In fact, as Paul said at one time in, 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 in chapter 3, he says, we were longing to see you so we could speak into your life what is lacking in your faith. See, in an encouraging church is a church that understands that we've got to build community. We've got to get to know one another. Like he says, that you became very dear to us to where you start building relationships with people. A church is not a church that just worships as strangers, but comes into community with one another so that you can encourage one another and support one another, speak into their life what is lacking in their faith so you can encourage them. In fact, as the Bible would tell us, the writer of Hebrews would tell us that that the more that you see the day approaching, that day is in caps. Watch, let's, let's just read it. And let us consider. Consider what? How to stir up one another to love and good works. Not the neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, capitalize the, the return of Christ, all the more as you see the day coming. Because the scripture teaches as that day draws near, things are going to get worse and worse. Things are going to get more and more difficult in the world. And we need the encouragement of other believers that we come into community with, that we encourage and that we support. I mean, this, this issue of encouragement is just so critical, so important. Fact is, the, some would say that the Dallas Mavericks, who, who, who won the NBA championship, were not as talented as the Miami Heat. And so a lot of sociologists wondered what was up with that and what was going on and how were the Mavs able to do what they did. And so I know it sounds kind of creepy, it sounds kind of weird, but so this group of, of sociologists took all the tapes of, of the games of the finals and they counted and documented the number of times that the, t- that the players touched each other. Whether it was a high five, whether it was a, a slap on the back. <laughs> whether it was a, a chest bump, a hug. And you know what they found? They found the Mavs touched each other of a ratio of six to one of the heat. Sociologist says that one of the reasons the Dallas Mavs won is because they encouraged one another. They played as a team. They cared for one another. In sports, all the time, we talk about home field advantage, right? Whether it's in football, whether it's in baseball, whether it's in basketball, we talk about how important the home field advantage is. And, and you know the crazy deal? These guys are like professionals, I mean, they've been doing this since, since, since high school all the way up. They're like, these men are like professionals. You know what? Regardless of where they play, the field is still the same size. The football field is still 50 yards wide and 100 feet, uh, feet, uh, yards long. The goalpost is still in the same place. The rules are still the same. The rules don't change between location to location. So what's the difference? The difference is, the difference is not the stadium. The difference is not the field. The difference is this, that the team with the home field advantage have 60 or 70 or 80,000 fans cheering them on. Even a professional that has paid millions of dollars, that works at it every day of their life, needs people around them that encourage them, that support them, 
that know that they matter. Listen, we are the same way. And Paul is trying to get this church to understand and get us to understand. Church was never meant to be done as long rangers. To where you come into community and you develop community with one another. To where you know each other. To where it's a process where, where Paul says, because you had, you had become very dear. And very dear to us. Paul understood what they were going through. See, we need to come into community with people that understand what we're going through. Like Stephen ministers, you're a person that's linked up through a process with a Stephen's minister. And many times, it is, well, all the time it's through prayer, but many times the person that you're linked up with has walked through some of the same issues that you've walked through. Don't you want to walk through a difficult season of life with someone that is, can understand what you're going through? that have already walked through it and found strength in the Lord? In fact, as Paul said in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 4, he said, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with how? With the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. In other words, the scripture says that the same way that God has comforted us through difficult seasons of life, that we're to learn and we're to comfort others. I mean, don't you want to go through a season of life with someone that has walked through the same thing? Whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's a health issue that you're walking through, whether it's, it's rebuilding your life from a divorce. Don't you want to walk through life with someone that says, I've walked ahead of you, and I found God to be faithful. I found God to be enough. Here's the encouragement that I received from him, and I pass it on to you. See, Paul understood that, and I'm telling you, one of my greatest prayers for our church is that we would deepen in the area of community. Karen and I, the last several weeks, have visited uh, two life groups, and we're scheduled to visit some more, and we just kind of hung out with them and watched how they do life together. And, and um, one man told me, he says, you know what, he says... Uh, I've been a Christian for 26 years. And I never valued this till now. This is the first life group I've ever been in. And he said, some of these are my closest friends. And I drive away from here every week thinking I cannot believe how encouraged I am by coming into life in community with others. We've got story after story about what God is doing in life groups and what God is doing in community. And, and let me tell you something. Man, you're missing out. If, if you're not coming into community, whether it's through our Bible studies or through life groups, because church was meant to be done in community. So if we're going to be an encouraging church, if we're going to be encouraging people, we have to be people of compassion. The second thing is this, is that we have to be considerate. I mean, we, we have to be considerate of others. And, and so the scripture says, verse 9, as we just continue to walk through this pas passage, he says, For you remember, brothers, our labor, labor and toil. We work day and night that we may not be a burden to any of you. I mean, Paul was considerate of them. Paul was considerate of the challenges that they were walking through. And he says, I don't want to be a burden to you. While we proclaim to you the gospel of God, you see, a, a considerate person is a perceptive person. See, Paul was a perceptive person. He was able to see their struggles. He was able to see their needs. And he realized that there's some things that i got to do to encourage them. And 
Paul was sensitive to their situation, and so he raised money to help support the church. He moonlighted to help support the church. He did all sorts of different things because he was perceptive of what they were walking through. A good encourager is considerate of how other people think and feel. I mean, they're, they're able, they're, they're considerate of the emotions that that person has or what they're dealing with. They're, they're, they're considerate of the emotion that the person is carrying through that situation. And, man, some of us, it's just intuitive. I mean, there are some people, it is just intuitive. They can walk into a room and they can sense the emotion. They can sense, they're very perceptive. They can sense, sense the emotion of another person. But, but there are some of us that it has to become a, a discipline. And Paul was that way. It was something that Paul had to learn. In fact, is if you walk through Paul's life and just pour through scriptures, you get a, uh, you can use blueletter, uh, blueletter.com or, or any website or any Bible software that you have and do a search on Paul's name and just walk through the scriptures of Paul's life and you will find that this is something in Paul's life that Paul developed in his life and he became considerate of of others and some it's a it's intuitive and some it's it's a discipline but boy there's sometimes that the Holy Spirit God prompts us I mean have you ever had someone in your life and maybe you hadn't talked to them in a while maybe maybe it's been weeks maybe it's been months and boy you just wake up and their name is just really on your heart and you cannot think quit thinking about that individual and so you send them a card or you, you send them an email or, or you make a phone call to them and just say, how are you? And they're like, I can't believe you called. And my life is falling apart. Or I got this huge challenge in my life. Or I just needed to hear from you. And that's not coincidence. It's the Holy Spirit prompting you. The role of the believer is to walk so closely with God that we're perceptive. We're considerate of those that are around us. In fact, is Ephesians 6.18 says this, says, says praying at all times in the Spirit uh, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with, with all perseverance. Now watch this. Making supplication, praying for all the saints. Now, you know, as believers, we're all saints. That's not something that's voted in. That's not something that's agreed upon. Scripture says that when you become a believer, you're a saint. So if that's new to you, you can scratch out saint and just put believer so that you'll remember that. But Scripture says that we're to pray for one another. We're to encourage one another. Here, we, the way that we walk through Scripture individually is through life journaling. And life journaling is just very, very important in my life. But, but here's what I know just out of my life. The more Scripture I read, the longer I'm in Scripture. The more love I have for the people around me. The more forgiveness I have. The more awareness that I have of things that they're going through. Man, I'm telling you, the Word is powerful in your life, and the Word is powerful in my life. And for us, just to come to the point and understand that and get that. In Philippians 2, 1 through 3, Paul begins talking about this issue of unity, and he says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, uh, complete my joy by being, watch this, talking to the church, being of the same mind, 
having the same love, being in full accord with and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You're probably not like me, but for me to consistently consider others more significant than myself takes a lot of scripture and a lot of prayer. Isn't that true? It only comes. And that's why life groups are just so critical here. That as a church grows larger, a church has to grow smaller at the same time. People that do studies and do statistics say, tell you this, that, that you can only have a relationship with about 65 people at any church you go to. Regardless how small, regardless how large. And it's through doing life together and doing community together that we learn to love each other and care for each other. And so, so Paul would say to be an encourager, you have to have compassion. You have to be considerate. And the last thing is this, as Paul says, you, you have to be consistent. You, know, you, you can't be a, an encourager one day and a critic the next, or you can't be the encourager one day and then just very mean-spirited the next. In other words, to be a true encourager, that you have to be consistent at it. The uh, fact is, Paul writes in verse 10, he says, You are witnesses in God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct, conduct towards you believers. In other words, you, we, we did life together. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you. Watch this. We, in other words, we encouraged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Man, we encouraged you. Who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, this is just so important, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is. It's the very words of God. It's out of the very mouth of God, which is at work in you believers. For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from Jews and Paul was telling them, and Paul was encouraging them, just walk in a manner worthy of God. Man, just learn. Just learn, whether it's through life journaling, whether it's coming into community with other believers, whether it's, whether it's ministry opportunities, just learn to walk in a manner worthy of God. You see, we talk a lot, and it, and it gets a lot of press, and, and, and I get that, but when a religious leader, when a, when a pastor fails, it's discouraging, Right? I mean, it can be emotional, it can be painful, it can be hurtful. When someone that you have the utmost respect for, of their Christian life or how they live their life, when they fail, when they fall, it can be discouraging, right? It can be disappointing. I mean, it hurts. But when we see people that stay faithful through difficult seasons of their life, when we see people that continue to praise him when they have health challenges and when they have financial problems, when they have marital issues, 
when they had problems with the economy and problems at job, when they got some of those questions down deep inside of them, but they stay faithful, it encourages us. Man, there's something about that. Listen, the world does not want to know how you act, how you behave when you got it all together. They want to know how you act, how you behave when everything falls apart. They want to know, is this gospel true? Is this gospel real? Man, I'm telling you. The reason this was so powerful is because this group of believers, they were being persecuted. They're going to lose their life. Most of these were going to die a martyr's death because of their belief in Jesus Christ. Many years ago, I was raised, of course, in, in Houston, Texas, and, and my pastor at that time was Dr. John Bazzano, and, and Dr. John Bazzano was just this bigger-than-life uh, pastor, and, and um, one of the first churches, over 2,500 in the U.S., and uh, preached all over the world and uh, preached for Billy Graham when Billy Graham was sick at the uh, Chicago Crusade and Billy Graham couldn't continue in 1984, I believe it was. Uh, uh, Dr. Bazzano was called and, and he went and he preached. He, he walked out on the platform. Everybody was expecting Billy Graham and, and Brother John, that's how we affectionately referred to him as, Brother John stepped out on the pro- platform and, and it was just, and he was one of those guys that was just bigger than life, but because the church was 25,000 members, I never really had a relationship with, with Brother John. And then a few years back, uh, due to a series of events, we got to know each other. And, and, and Brother John came here and preached a couple of times. And, and the first time he came and preached here, he called and said, Charlie, Aldine and I uh, would like to hang out with you and Karen for a week. Do you think that would be possible? And, and uh, I'd always respected him from afar. Not a fire um, text. That sounded like afar. Uh, <laughs> A distance. I always respected him from a distance. That's one of those Texas words. I just, you know, I just, I mean, I mean, I mean you, you get this, right? You, the three wise men, here's just a little bit of biblical knowledge that you only learned in seminary. The, do, you, do you know the job that the three wise men did before they went into ministry? They were firemen because the scripture says they come from afar. Anyway. That's bad. That's really bad. Anyway, back to this. And so I always... I always ADD moment. I got more. I got more. Fact is, the Philippians church, they all drove in an accord because it says they were of one accord. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. We're to de- keep going. We're digressing. No, I am. But you know, you're laughing. You're like encouraging this. Stop it. Anyway, so I'd always respected his ministry from a distance. And then Karen and I got to spend a week with him and Aldine. And our life has never been the same. When they opened up their life to us about some of the difficult times in ministries and difficult seasons in ministry, the people that they helped, the people that they ministered to, you, you realized that he just wasn't a pastor when he was on the platform. He just wasn't a pastor when he was in public. 
But he was a pastor wherever he went. And it was just natural for him. It was natural for Aldine just to minister to people. Listen, let me tell you something. Paul said, we we shared our life with you. Man, there are some of you that could minister to a group of people just in life groups by just walking with them and getting to know them. You see, an effective encourager and Brother John and Aldine, I mean, that's just, that's who they were. You, you, you couldn't be around them without being encouraged. Paul says there's, there's, there's some attributes, and we'll just go through them real quickly, of, of an encourager, uh, that if you're properly, properly going to encourage someone, then here's just a few things. The first one is this. You have to be specific. It's not just enough to say, I approve of you. I love you. Uh, I'm proud of you. Those things are good and those things are helpful. But there's something, an encourager is deeper than that. An encourager is specific. An encourager is this. An encourager is, is someone that says, here's what you said that helped me. I am so proud of you because I saw in you, and this is what you did. I love you. When you did this, see, Paul was, Paul was so specific. Paul was, these are the things I've seen in you. These are the things that I've seen in the church in Thessalonica. And when he wrote to, in fact, is all the letters that Paul writes, he encouraged. Sometimes, and we'll talk about that, sometimes there was a rebuke. Sometimes there was correction. But he was so consistent at encouraging that he could speak into their life and he could challenge them or he could rebuke them. But all of his letters, Paul was always encouraging them. And he was always looking at the specifics. You know, the Thessalonica church, we've already heard of your faith. The Colossian church, we have heard of your faith. We have heard of what you're doing. We have heard of what's going on. The Philippians church, man, we hear we have great joy for you because of what you're doing and because of the lives that you're touching. And he was very specific. If you're going to encourage properly, we have to be specific. The th- second thing is this, and we have to be real. And we have to be real. It's not a bunch of flattery. In fact, the scripture warns against flattery. Scripture warns that those who flatter you will one day hurt you, will one day destroy you. That's why Proverbs says this. Proverbs says the wounds from a friend can be trusted. That you have to be real. You have to be transparent. Yeah, you can encourage and yeah, you can be specific. But there are those times you speak truth into someone's life and you encourage them and you support them. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And he goes on, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and, and teaching. Listen, a real encourager will speak truth into someone's life. But they'll speak that truth in love. And they'll speak that truth because they want that individual to learn and to develop and how to walk in a life that is worthy of the, of the Lord. A true encouragement, encourager looks for ways to encourage the last thing is this, is, is to be accepting. You've got to be specific. You've got to be real. And you know what? You've got to be accepting. 
Verse 13, he says, and also, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is in work in you believers. Man, there are some people... And when, when the word is opened, whether it's in preaching, whether it's in life journaling, they are like a thirsty sponge. And they just accept it and they just receive it, which means they begin to apply it to their life. And, and Jesus said that, right? Jesus says the blessing is not in just hearing the word, but it's in doing the word. It's in the doing of the word that brings blessing on the believer's life. And we have to be accepting. And you know what? There, there are just some people that when the word is preached or when the word is read, they look at the word so cynical. And they may hear it, but they're not going to accept it. They're not going to receive it for their life. One of the cool deals about the children at children's camp is this, is it's just that childlike faith. You tell a child that God can do it, and they believe he can you tell an adult that God can do it, they got all kinds of questions. And they'll try to explain the things of God away. Many years ago, we have a young man in the church, and we still have him in our church. His name's Grant. And Grant was participating in uh, Special Olympics out here at South High School. And so uh, his family asked Karen and I if we would go and just spend the day with Grant and his family. And, and it was an amazing day as you watch these kids with, with different... Uh, needs but that they had uh, compete. The big difference between them and us when they were competing is is they even, they even encouraged one another. I mean, after one would do a power lift or after one would run an event, then, then they, there was no trash talking there. I mean, they were, they were talking to the individual and they were encouraging the individual and sometimes they would try to help the individual to win. There was a relay that race that was run that day and uh, kids were, were running, and, and one little girl fell. And the other kids that were running turned around and looked and realized that their friend had fallen, and she was crying and skinned her knee and everything else. And so the whole track field stopped running. <laughs> and they turned around, and they got her. And they picked her up. And they walked her, and the whole group walked across the finish line at the same time. There's not a more beautiful picture of the church than that. That a church should be a place of great encouragement. Where you can come into community with other believers and over time build trust and do life together. And you encourage them and they encourage you. My prayer is that we would deepen and God would give us a hunger for this type of community in the local church.